You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. Let's talk about uh, where we're going this uh, next four weeks in our series. Uh, We're starting off the year in a new teaching. Uh, Give you a quick summary of this four-part series uh, that we're calling Dreams, Dreams for a Faithful Tomorrow. Now, with a year like 2020, Uh, There's no doubt that we have hopes, we have dreams for how we would like this year to look different, right? If you're a person who has never done New Year's resolutions, I bet this is the year you started. (laughs) This is a year that here's what I want to be different. Here's what I want to change. Here's what I would like to see that I didn't have last year. I'm sure you've got your list. I even talked to uh, a manager at Starbucks this last week and and it was a friend uh, talking to her, and she just became manager. And, and she had, she's really spent the last 15 years kind of building up her career and becoming manager of this Starbucks. And she was so excited, but she was just lamenting. She's like, I've worked so hard to, to, to be a manager. It's not just serving coffee, you know. Now all, my whole job is just handing coffee out a drive through window. And our, our, our lobbies are completely empty, and so much of the relationship is, is gone, and, and it just... It really hurts. I, I mourn that we, we don't have this. So I hope this year that people will be in the, in the stores again and, and will be able to enjoy that. There's a dozen things just like that that we want to look different in 2021. But I want to encourage us as we start off to be careful not to set uh, priorities and goals and dreams that, that God doesn't have for us. And, and going into the new year, we could say that very simply and generally, we want what God wants. Uh, that's the point of this four-part series, but we'll flesh that out over this next month. Um, these dreams, these dreams for be, having a faithful tomorrow, for living faithfully as, as followers of Jesus, um, they're rooted in the very heart of God's desires for us, his very purposes for us. And so we ask, what does God want for us? And how should we prioritize our life and our dreams and our values and our, our vision for how we want this year to go? And matching those up with God's word. And, and there we know we can put full confidence and energy into these, into these things. So these are things, these four uh, are things that God has called us to. It's, it's, it's really embedded in the very nature of our identity uh, uh, as his people. So here's my exhortation to you all as we start this year. Have whatever resolutions you desire. I mean, really, I mean, exercise more, take up knitting, read a book every month, right? Whatever you want to do. Finally finish that DIY project that was your New Year's resolution in 2019, you know? Finally finish this this year. Here's mine. I want to figure out a way to get in and out to stop wrapping their burgers in napkins. Okay, because those napkins are meant to wipe the ketchup off my face, not put it on, okay? <clears throat> okay, that's just a little beef. If the CEO of In-N-Out is watching, <laughs> probably not. Do all those things, but let me give you these four that, that you cannot substitute. Here are four dreams. To have a deep experience with the gospel. We're going to cover that today. To live in transformational fellowship with others. Transformational is the key word there. Relationships that change us and being involved in relationships with others that change them for the good, to be a compassionate neighbor, and to live out a public faith, asking who is our neighbor and how should we treat them, and public as opposed to private. 
So these are things embedded in the very nature of what God desires for us. Four, I just, I just wanted to find four super easy, simple, you know, goals that we can all accomplish by Valentine's Day, right? We're all going to do that. No, these are hard. Uh, these are going to be the hardest things that we ever, we, we ever give ourselves to. But this is the very nature of what it means to follow Jesus. And we're not alone. We're in this together. Uh, so let's get into our first dream. Dream for a faithful tomorrow. The dream to have a deep experience with the gospel. I want to unpack in a familiar story, whether you have been a part of a Christian church your whole life or, or not at all. I'm sure you're familiar with this story, the story of Jonah. We uh, will read the final chapter of Jonah, just 11 verses, which shows the aftermath of Jonah's crisis after um, fleeing from God and being swallowed by a fish. You know the story. Here's just a real brief recap of it. God comes to Jonah and says, I want you to go to Nineveh, this evil city, and preach repentance to them. And Jonah says, no thanks, and he flees in the opposite direction. God sends a storm. He gets on a boat to a city of Tarshish. He gets on a boat. There's a storm that comes. It, it shakes the boat. He's thrown overboard by the sailors. He's swallowed by a fish. He laments within the belly of the fish for three days. He spit out onto dry land. And God says, let me ask you again, or let me tell you again, go to this city and preach repentance to them. And he says, okay, and he goes. And now we find ourselves in chapter 4, and he is sitting on the edge of the city. He has seen Nineveh, actually the entire city, 120,000 people have actually repented of their sins, turned from their sins, and turned to the Lord in worship. An amazing thing has happened, and he's sitting now on the edge of the city on a hill, looking at the city and kind of seeing what has happened. And here's where we pick up in chapter 4. Let's, let's read together in chapter 4. You can follow along. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's just 11 verses. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? 
That's the story of Jonah. Ends really in a way that we might not expect, but the story of Jonah is really a story of understanding the gospel. It's about understanding. God is wanting to show Jonah what it means to understand this good news of his grace, his compassion, his pity for sinners. This is what the gospel is, and in just a simple way, the gospel is, God, is the good news of God's grace for sinful people, for people who don't deserve it. And so looking at this story, our outline is going to be pretty straightforward. We will see the, the mark of a, a shallow experience with the gospel, the mark of a, a deep experience with the gospel, and then how to go deep in 2021, okay? We see a shallow experience a deep experience, and then how do we go deep in 2021? First, let's look at the mark of a shallow experience with the gospel. Most obviously, we see it that it is possible to be able to articulate God's grace in a very intelligent way at times, yet not experience it as a life-changing power. This is what we see with Jonah as God's appointed prophet, one who knows the gospel well. Look how Jonah articulates the gospel in verse 2. I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Wow. I mean, make this guy an elder. Make, give him a, make him a missionary. Make him a pastor. Give him, give him some kind of influence in the church. I mean, what a great, concise, articulate way of describing the gospel. How many of us could do that so well? What is the gospel? So simply. God is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. And yet it hasn't changed his life. He sits at the side of the hill seeing a whole city repent from their sins and turn to God, and he is angry that this has happened. When he introduced himself in chapter 1, he even says, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. I know the answers to all the questions that the Bible asks. I teach Sunday school every week. I've been to seminary. My parents are missionaries. He's giving his, he, this is who he is. Yet there's a gap. Don't you see this? There's a gap that we see in Jonah between his confessional faith, here's what I believe and here's what I, what I value in my life, and a functional faith, how it actually changes me and how I live. We see this enormous gap, and it's not changing him. Knowing the gospel and being born and bred to know the good news of God has not changed Jonah. Pay close attention to what Jonah's feeling and what he says, because it shows his true heart. And this is the reason, as we look at him and his feelings and how he's expressing himself, we will see the reason why there's this gap between this confessional faith and a functional faith, what he believes and how he lives. He's angry. Why? Nineveh was, a, was an evil city, we know that. And he was angry that God would show them mercy. He wanted Nineveh to get what they deserved. He wanted Nineveh to be destroyed by God. But he knew that if he went and preached good news to them, that God would do the very thing that he did not want God to do, which was to forgive them and give them mercy. He says, this is why I didn't want to go. He wasn't afraid of God. He wasn't afraid of being persecuted. He tells God, this is why I didn't want to go, because I knew that you would love them. 
and I didn't want you to. I fled from you. I knew that you would do this. You would do the very thing that you always do. You love sinful people, and I hate that about you. Isn't that interesting? And Jonah felt justified. He felt justified in feeling that way against people that didn't deserve the grace of God. He felt justified in running from God and making those choices. He felt justified in his anger. He felt justified all along. We could say that Jonah just really had it up to here with God, and he was going to let him know. He was sick of it. Well, we see that Jonah's view of God's grace is so shallow because he really believed that the, that the Ninevites didn't deserve God's grace. But he did. Are you ever tempted to think that you are in less need of God's saving grace than somebody else? Have you ever been tempted to think that you are the exception to the rule that says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death? Have you ever heard that and said, yes, but I'm sure that applies to to different people. I'm sure God understands the sins that I'm wrestling with, the secrets in my heart. Have you ever been tempted to think that your behavior satisfies God to the degree that he should show you favor because of those behaviors? Then you're, then you're feeling what Jonah has felt. He felt the same way that we feel when God does something good to people that we don't like. How could you do that? Why would you bless them? Don't you know what they have done? And he felt angry because he felt in his heart that he was not like them. And good should not come to them. Anyone, even a a successful prophet like Jonah, a pastor, an elder in the church, anyone can lack a deep understanding of the gospel. And if someone like Jonah can fail to go deeper in the gospel, then it is most certainly possible for every single one of us. Not only has Jonah run from God, but in the very next verse, he says, take my life, it is better for me to be dead than alive. What a stunning request, isn't it? Sometimes we feel so committed to protecting our self-righteousness that when we would rather die than to have our weaknesses exposed to the world. That's how Jonah feels. I mean, he is laid bare. He is just like an open book to God and to the world. He knows his heart. It has been public for all to see. And he says, I would rather die than to feel so exposed. I would rather die than to feel this because he was so committed to protecting his own self-protection and comfort and self-righteousness, and that was ripped from him. And he said, it is better to die. He asked God twice to take his life 
from him. Jonah's internal struggles and fears were exposed plainly for God and it devastated him. It wrecked his life. It ruined everything that he was trusting in. What would happen if if your internal struggles and your private sins became public? I mean, the things you think about throughout the day, the things that you're so utterly embarrassed about, what if it was broadcast for the world to see? Would you want to die? I bet at the very least you would want to disappear You would want to crawl in a hole. You'd want to find new friends. You'd want to move to a different city. You probably feel like Jonah. I'll I'll give you a simple diagnostic tool to assess the danger of having a shallow experience with the gospel and asking some questions. How do you respond when your comforts are taken away, when you're thrust into conflict, when the actions of others violate your sense of right and wrong? Just think about how you respond and how you feel when those happen. Do do you run? Do you ignore it? Do you self-medicate with with drugs or alcohol or video games or cleaning and dusting? (laughs) Or going into your garage and working on a project and fixing your car? See, I'm coming for you guys. Do you get angry with God? Do you get bitterly angry with others? Jonah thinks, as I have often felt, and maybe you have felt too, Jonah thinks that nothing good can come from having your sins just utterly exposed. Nothing good can come from feeling this devastated. And he was wrong. He was wrong, and God loved him so much to prove to him that he was wrong in feeling that way. He shows the benefit of going deeper, even if it causes such devastating pain and agony and loss. Even if it means confronting your biggest nightmare, which it was for Jonah. I I know we've had hard times and 2020 was bad, but but Jonah, (laughs) Jonah, he was just in the belly of a fish for three days. I mean, if he was with us, he's like, you guys think 2020 was bad? Let's look at it. God shows the benefit of going deeper. Let's look at that. The mark of a deep experience with the gospel. So for someone like Jonah, who really has made a life's habit of avoiding and running from discomfort and pain, God creates a situation where he cannot run any further, right? I mean, this is clear. We see this, and if you read the first three chapters, you'll see this. Things just didn't circumstantially happen to Jonah. He's very clear in saying, God appointed a wind. God appointed a fish. God sent these things. God was hunting Jonah down for a very specific purpose. He could not run, and God orchestrated and ordained his events in his life so that he could not run any further. He's confronted with his shallow sense of the grace of God. He even sends a plant when Jonah is uncomfortable and he's experiencing great discomfort now after a really wild weekend. And he's sitting on the ground and he sends a shade, a plant that that just sprouts up overnight and gives him shade from from the oppressive sun. And then he sends a worm to eat that plant and take it away. And then he sends 
a scorching wind. It looks like God hates Jonah. Doesn't it? It looks like God is toying with him. Going to send a wind. Going to send a fish. Going to tell the fish to spit you out. Going to send a plant. Are you hurting? Going to take the plant away. It sounds like God is toying with him, that he hates him. But he is for Jonah. He is after Jonah's heart. And this might really mess with your view of how God works. Because you need to know that, the, that, that God is not against Jonah, and yet he deliberately sent all these horrible things to devastate him. And yet the thing that is most clear is that God is for him, and he is after his heart, and he loves him so much that he will not stop until Jonah knows how deep his love is for him and how shallow Jonah's view is of grace. God is directing all of his circumstances. He's just, he's, he is disrupting his comfort in order to love him, and it is aggressively painful for Jonah, and yet it is so good. It changes him. By drawing Jonah deeper into the depths of the sea, he was drawing Jonah deeper into an experience with his good news of his grace, knowing that that was the only thing that would ultimately save Jonah. If I were to ask you your impression of the Jonah story, you might say this, and you might even you re relay this to your children. What's the story of Jonah? When God tells you to do something, do it. <laughs> right? Yes, I've done that. I tell my kids that. And that is always true for this story, but more is going on. And I would even say even something more and better is going on. God is showing Jonah not just the devastating consequences of disobedience, which is very real, but the consequences of treasuring anything above the love of God. It will always prove to be a good thing when God dismantles the things we love, which have become a greater treasure than his own love. It will always be good. Whatever you lose, whatever is dis devastating, whatever is painful. I mean, hasn't 2020s taught us some of that? Can we please take a little bit of that from last year and take it into this year and see that well, God has just dismantled a lot of the things that we care about. What's the purpose and what's the point of it? Well, just close your eyes until we get through it. That is, you will be like Jonah, and if God loves you, he will continue to hunt you down until he takes away everything that you love that is in the place of where God and his love must be. And that is good because he's after your heart, because he knows that only his love can save you. It's so natural for men and women and children to be vigorously committed to our personal comfort, even at the expense of others. Jonah didn't mind. 
he was so vigorously committed to his own personal sense of comfort and self-righteousness and control of his life that he had complete disregard for 120,000 people because they were not like him and God needed to do spiritual surgery on Jonah's heart. The final verse of the story shows us that the mark of those who have been deeply immersed in the grace of God is compassion, not contempt for others, compassion for people who are not like us. The sign of a deep experience with the gospel is to be so liberated from the things that enslave us, the things that drive us, the things that control us, so that we are free to find our all in all, our all in all in who God says that we are and what he thinks of us, that we are accepted in his love, we are secure in his mercy, and we are significant because we belong to him. And that's what ultimately saves us. We're no longer enslaved by our sinful attitudes and habits. We're no longer driven by our need to prove ourselves to others and to make people like us because God accepts us. We no longer need to be in control of all of our circumstances throughout the day because we know that God holds us in his loving care. How do we get it? How do we get that? Well, you gotta come back next week. No, I'm just kidding. We'll get into it. We're going to get to it. I'm not going to leave you hanging. How do we go deeper in 2021? You know, this is our final thought for the passage. If we want to go deeper in 2021, we look at Jonah. We see some things that God teaches him. We must honestly admit areas where we have lost sight of our need for God's grace and repent. You know, the most self-deceived person is the person who thinks that he or she has no need for falling flat on their face lamenting their sins and crying out for God's mercy. The most self-deceived person is the person who thinks that all of life's difficulty is somebody else's problem. God asked Jonah, and I, I like this how he asks Jonah, do you do well to be angry? I love that. Um, God's asking, how's that working for you? <laughs> you seem pretty miserable because of all the mess in the world. Make things better? <laughs> And I love what Jonah says. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> yes, this does work well for me. It's their fault, not mine. It's your fault, not mine. If they would change, yes, I would be happy. Thank you for asking. But you won't do anything about it. And some reason you are so concerned with my heart and not theirs. I love it. Honest. Are you that honest? Are you that honest with, yes, I hate how this is going about. I hate the pain that I feel because of what you've ripped from my life. And I have lost sight of you being my greatest treasure. He admits it, being angry and blaming someone else for my pain, yes, indeed, does make me feel better. We must come to honest terms with the condition of our heart, and that is a problem. When, if we admit that, like Jonah, it exposes a great problem. Where are you afraid? 
Where are you taking your eyes off the Lord? Where are you taking matters into your own hands? Where are you running from God in order to the, avoid the pain of confronting the hurt in your heart? Not much different than Jonah, are we? We never get beyond our need for the gospel. We never get beyond our need to go deeper. If I tell you we need to go deeper in 2021 and you say, but I've been deeper, I've been going deeper, there is deeper yet that you can go. He continues to thrust us deep until until he is all that we have and all that we need and, and is all that is enough for us. We never get beyond our need for rescue. This is the true story of Jonah. There exists within each of us a war that never ends, a battle in our heart between what we want and what God wants for us. And that battle doesn't end. It's continual in our hearts. Tomorrow you will wake up with a desire to be faithful and you and I will be inconsistent once again. And once again, God will greet us with his convicting love, his forgiving grace, his, new, his renewing power. He will meet us tomorrow. There is a, we need to go deeper tomorrow. And there will be something that will try to pull us to the surface because it's comfortable up there. And that is why to go deeper, we must not only admit our need for God's grace, but we must also, here's the next thing, we must also continually accept the invitation of God's grace. It's truly a deep understanding of God's grace that makes a person a Christian and not merely a moral and religious person or a nice person that makes that person a Christian. It is a deep understanding of the grace of God that our only hope, our only rescue is the grace of God and his mercy and nothing else. The gospel offers to us the hope of a self-worth and a freedom and acceptance that's not achieved, but it is received. Our identity, our self-worth, our confidence, our, our, uh, our joy, it's not something that we earn or something that we, that we get, something that is given. The story of Jonah is a true story of how God goes to intense lengths to extend his mercy. Don't you see that? The fish saved Jonah. Now, this is really going to flip you upside down. (laughs) The fish saved Jonah. If it were not for that fish, Jonah would have drowned. Whoa. This was a rescue. And yet it wasn't an ultimate rescue. He, he would have drowned. He was saved by the fish, but it was a temporary saving. The fish saved him for the time being. He was alive, but he was still sinking. He even says this. He went deeper and deeper. He even says he went, to the, he went to the foot of the mountains. He went to the base of the mountains. It was temporary until God would provide a more permanent rescue, a more permanent salvation. And this is how Jesus Christ ties the story of Jonah to himself in the New Testament. When he calls himself the greater Jonah, he says 
Jonah was rescued by this fish, but it was a temporary rescue. You are rescued for the, by the different things that you do in your life to give yourself comfort. But everything that you can do and anything in this world that can provide you comfort is a temporary rescue. He says, I am greater than Jonah. Jonah was driven from the sight of God and in the belly of the fish for three days for his sins. And Jesus was driven from the sight of God while hanging on the cross and dying for our sins. Jonah endures intense suffering, which leads to the rescue of thousands. And Jesus endures suffering and death, which leads to the rescue of a multitude of his church. Jonah says he's crushed by the waves and the weight of the waves above him. And Jesus is crushed under the weight of our sins and the wrath of God that we deserved. And Jesus wasn't thrown overboard against his will. But do you know what Jesus did? Jesus willingly went deeper, deeper into the pit, deeper to the point of complete alienation and despair to the point of death for you. What looks like God is leading us into further despair and pain, he is actually rescuing us. He is pointing us to our ultimate need. He's pointing us to Jesus so that you and I would never be cast away from the presence of God. Whatever your problem, whatever your fear, whatever your struggle that is public or that remains hidden in your heart, God solves it with his grace. You may be living with regret of the past or some sense of great failure that lives on today. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how shallow your view of God's grace has been or is today. If you were a hundred times worse than you are right now, your failures still don't match the grace of God. The deeper rest is in that reality. The more free you will be when you understand that, the deeper you will go. In 2021, come to accept what God already knows about you with the faults and the failures and the shortcomings and cry out to the one who can give you the very thing that you need, his grace and his rescue.